This morning's scripture reading is taken from Luke, the second chapter, verses 1 through 20. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be enrolled. This was the first enrollment when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be enrolled, each to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be enrolled with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. While they were there, the time came for her to be delivered, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in that region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Be not afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will come to all the people. For to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, The shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying which had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary kept all these things pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In some houses, sometimes before the last morsels of the Thanksgiving turkey have been eaten, an elf will appear. These elves have a host of different names and can apparently become involved in quite a number of shenanigans throughout the month of December. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm speaking of the elf on a shelf. Have you heard of this before? If you don't know what Elf on a Shelf is, you probably have not uh, been on Facebook recently or have any children or grandchildren recently around, but it is uh, one of the latest things uh, around Christmas. Well, this year, the Elf on a Shelf made an appearance at the Woodson home in December. Um, And although his presence was short-lived, Stinks, the Elf, uh, left a lasting impression uh, and taught us all a valuable lesson. Uh, If you're not well-versed in elven lore, please allow me a moment to enlighten you. And for those of you who welcome a similar guest into your own home uh, every year, fear not. 
These are just the basics for uh, the elf that was at our house. Other elves may have a different set of rules to follow. At our house this year, Stinks the Elf appeared around December 14th. And after reading the book that he brought with him, we learned that his primary responsibility was to report back to Santa every night on whether or not the children in our home had been naughty or nice. We would know that Stinks accomplished his nightly mission because every morning Stinks would be found somewhere else in the house. For the first night, Stinks climbed to the top of our Christmas tree and sat upon the star. And on the second night, he found a spot on the Christmas lights around our kitchen window. Ellen and I were really excited to see what Stinks would do next because Facebook has been awash with delightful elf pictures of, from our friends and families who also host a similar Christmas visitor. Alas, it simply wasn't meant to be. Our eldest son quickly became somewhat neurotic under the glossy stare of our elf on the shelf. Like a small dog during a thunderstorm, he was simply unable to control himself and acted out in ways that we had never seen before. From altercations over getting dressed, to coloring on the walls at night, to physical emotional breakdowns, to climbing up onto the kitchen counter and all up in our kitchen sink at about 4.30 in the morning. Now, some of this may be normal for other three-year-olds, but not typically from our son, and certainly not all within the span of 36 hours, <laughs> unless he was sick or something. It was very clear that the elf had caused a shift in his developing mind, and I found myself, along with my family, sucked into a vortex of things that are most assuredly not Christmas. We were now caught up in a back and forth about the rules, the behavior, using a pair of ever watchful eyes as a means of corrective measure. We moved very quickly into a repressive nanny state where big brother Nicholas was watching you and there would most certainly be consequences come Christmas morning. The late night wall decorating is what really did me in. I, I mean, I was ready to dig through a number of receipts. I was going to call Santa directly or at the very least email him an addendum to the Christmas list that was sent off. But it is here, though, that I am most thankful for a soulmate and a helpmate who sees the world through very empathetic eyes. Before the second day was over, Stinks the Elf was called away on urgent business to the North Pole. In the weeks since his departure, um, things have returned to normal. Uh, I have not, don't have all the basics of his new position, but I have a feeling it's most likely an upper management with very little vacation time. He will probably be serving more of an administrative role in our future Christmases with very little personal involvement. Um, he did make an appearance this morning to turn in his resignation letter, but <laughs> I think we're done. I share this with you this morning not to degrade the Elf on the Shelf participants or to even dismantle the secular season of Christmas. They each have their place when done with joy, laughter, and in the spirit of fun. 
But I share this with you as a means of conveying my own growth as a parent and as someone who must now give greater thought and consideration to these types of moments. As a father and now a pastor, I look through the lens of what is God teaching me that I should be teaching them that I can also share with you so that we may all see and know God better. In this moment, there are a number of things that came together. I began to think about our previous Sunday sermons on open arms, open hearts, open minds and doors, our banners inviting everyone to come in and find the true meaning of Christmas. I began to think about some of the conversations I've had over the past six months since starting here as your associate pastor. I've thought about conversations with other pastors and people of faith throughout our town, our conversations about ministry, what it looks like to reach out and help others in the spirit of love. I thought about our steeple and all that we hope it will symbolize and mean for our church and community. And of course, I thought about Christmas and that silly little elf. So with this whole tale of Stinks the Elf and all of this rolling around in my head, I have a few reflections that I would like to share with you this morning. Now, since they may not fit together in a very coherent manner, I'm going to invite you to get just a little more comfy. And as I read through some of these thoughts and statements, I would ask that you join me in a time of meditation. Bring your own experiences, traditions, opinions, and reasoning to the forefront of your mind and allow the Spirit to speak directly to you. I'll read a little bit of what I've been thinking and learning and allow you a few moments to reflect on each one. I think I've got four thoughts here. So I'll read it and then we'll give about a minute or so, or maybe less than that, just for you to kind of think about it yourself. Several times this Christmas season, I have been asked, what would you like for Christmas? What can I get you for Christmas? I've asked my children what they would like for Christmas. My wife, many times it turns out that Christmas gifts are a result of a specific request. But that is not so with God's Christmas gift. His was an unsolicited and undeserved gift. Salvation is a gift. The birth of Christ is a gift. The very fact that salvation is a gift indicates that it is undeserved. If it is earned or deserved, it is no longer a gift. A gift is something offered with no strings attached. Salvation is holy of grace. Ephesians chapter 2, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the results of works, so that no one may boast. That's the first one.
Here's the second thought I had. There are some that would teach that salvation is a part of grace and a part of works, what we do. But that is a fallacy. Romans 11 verse 6 reminds us, but if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. Jesus speaks of this when he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Do many deeds of power in your name? Jesus says, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Go away from me, you evildoers. Jesus refers to those who would work their way into heaven as evildoers. Works offered to God in an attempt to earn salvation are described by Jesus as evil. No matter how good those works may be, they are still inadequate. If someone could work their way into heaven, the motive behind the work would render it ineffective. All Christian service must be motivated by love. For these next two thoughts, I encourage you to turn your focus on the manger scene here. Everything we have, we received one of the following ways. We either earned it or bought it. We stole it. Or somebody gave it to us. Knowing that the birth of Christ is God's gracious gift to humankind, how could I continue to create an environment where I forced my child to earn his Christmas gifts? How can I create a Christmas for my children that resonates with the same love and grace that is offered through Jesus Christ. I want them to know Christ, but until they come to fully understand God's love for them, I must be the one to show them that love. I must love as God loves, and I must give as God gives freely and full of grace.
My last thought was this. When we engage in ministry, do we have expectations of those to whom we minister or do we give freely and openly? Do we, like God, go to seek them out to bring them the good news or do we need them to come and get it? How can we foster the spirit of Christmas year-round so that all that we do resonates with the same love and grace that is offered to us through Jesus Christ? If we are to make disciples of Jesus Christ, then we must bear witness to his unending grace and love. We must love as God loves and give as God gives. I'll close our meditation this morning with two of the most Christmassy Bible verses that I could find. The first one is from Paul's letter to the people of Rome, and you can hear parts of it every time we take communion. Paul writes, God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. And the second one is probably the most well-known Bible verse in the world, John 3.16, and perhaps its lesser-known sibling, verse 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So today, today of all days, my prayer is that you know you are loved You are loved so much that God has given you his only son. This is God's gift to you. You cannot earn it. You cannot buy it. You cannot steal it. It is given for you. And then today and every day after, let us share that gift. Let our lives be the living proof of God's grace through all that we give to others. And finally, let us be eternally grateful that God did not implement an angel on the shelf program. Amen. Merry Christmas.